Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea. Sit back, relax. Let's chat a little bit about what is going on up in the sky, sky above, up in the stars above for the weekend. Hello, everybody, and uh, it's glad I'm glad to be with you this morning. Here we are sitting in the um, pro close proximity to the full moon. I decided I would be out in space today. It looked like a good place to be. And uh, I may have to change the background if it looks like I can't share my screen, but I, I, I might be able to share my screen. And the reason I would wanna share my screen is I have so much to talk about this morning as there seems to be a lot of things subtle and uh, overt that are going on astrologically, but also in our human design that I want to make sure that everybody is aware of. So uh, check in real quick and say good morning. Hello, Pauline and Asa. Good to see you out there. Thank you, Asa, for being here behind the scenes to help me get all of these things done in the morning and for getting all of my um, graphics and so forth out. You do such a great job and I am so appreciative of the effort that you put in. So here we are today. We have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday ahead of us. The big news, of course, for the weekend is the full moon. And literally, it takes up all the space for the weekend. There's really no other major transits that are occurring. But the energy of the full moon is pretty profound. And it's something that we want to be really aware of. And as well, when we look at what's going on in the Pleiadian calendar at this time, as well as what's going on with Venus and the sun at this time, and if we take a look at human design and what's going on at this time, there are these convergences, if you will, of energies that are coming together that are about to rock our world, or at least our personal worlds. So these are the these are personal things that I'm talking about. But before I get totally into the energy of the day and the weekend, I had the weirdest dream. And I, this morning, like I like very early, like just before maybe waking up at six. And in the dream, I don't know what was going on. I don't know who I was with. And yet this date flashes on like a screen in front of me. And the date was 3-14-19, 3-14-19, so March 14th, 2019. And then right behind that was the name Uranus. So I wake up and I'm like, 3-14-19, what was that all about? Well, that happened to be the day or one of the early days uh, where Uranus was at zero degrees, 21 minutes of uh, Taurus, where it is now. And uh, I don't have any clue as to what the importance of that date was, but whoever it was that was rocking my world in my dreams was making sure that I would come back from the sleep, uh, from sleep and, and remember that date and that planet. So I even went to a website that, uh, you know, I just Googled um, important events, 3-14-19. And it was interesting to see some of the commonalities of things that were going on then that we're still grappling with now. And so that part was interesting, but nothing spelled like earth shaking, pay attention to this, Janet, uh, or anything like that. So my guess is that over time, uh, and maybe even with your help, if you guys have any insight as to why that date and that planet in particular would jump out. Although I could say that for sure right now, Uranus is playing a pretty big part, a big role in all of the astrology that we are working with. Uh, because of just the placement of Saturn in a square to Uranus, where we're still grappling with this old and the new, right? And how do we move forward without leaving everything we cherish behind, but also at light enough that we can embrace something new from for the, uh, our futures? So I, I have a feeling that if I at some point really sit down maybe in meditation and work with this, I may come up with what it was that the dream was trying to tell me about. But that was the date and that was the planet, those two with um, some, you know, very profound, like light in the dream, you know, putting me in that direction. So I'll have to keep you posted on that. 
Now today the moon is in Virgo, one of my favorite placements since my own moon is in Virgo. And in fact, this morning when I pulled the chart, the moon was at five minutes, I mean, five degrees, 55 minutes of Virgo, five, 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 change. <laughs> so I looked at that and went, wow, that's interesting. I mean, what were the odds of that? Especially after I see all kinds of 111, 1111s lately uh, out there. So it makes me think there is something new. There is some kind of change afoot and uh, that we are uh, on the cusp of something. That's that's the feeling I get, like we're at the mm, precipice of something and we get to choose whether we're going to dive in, jump in and embrace what's happening uh, or whether we're gonna backpedal, um, staying in fear and not embracing the change. So it seems like we have a choice point perhaps in Greg Braden's words that is before us and uh, maybe this full moon and this weekend are about at that. And the fact that Uranus was showing up powerfully in that dream for me uh, tells us the nature of it. It's an awakening, right? A revolution, uh, a rebellion, if you will, um, where we are having to temper our contrarian natures in order to become more aware of the forward path. So lots of fun things to think about here. Let's go back to the moon in Virgo. Today it is trine Uranus. So it's in a smooth flow of, of the back and forth energies between the two planets. But the moon in Virgo is also squaring Mars today. So there is the potential for some conflict, whether that's inner conflict or whether that comes up in the outer world, that remains to be seen. But let's take a look at what things that we can be interested in for Virgo energy. Virgo rules the physical body, right? The health of our physical body, not the body itself. That's Aries territory. But the physical health of your body is ruled by Virgo. And that includes diet and exercise and healthy habits and routines that support your health. And as well, uh, healers and the process of healing is also part of the Virgo experience. So all of your healers, your, your alternative healers, your doctors, nurses, um, all of the health professions uh, are engaged at a Virgo uh, level in astrology. And Virgo also rules the work that we do, the job that you have, the, the not the career, so my career is that of an astrologer, but it would be more of the things that I do, pulling charts and doing interpretations and talking to people about astrology and all of those types of things. That, that's Virgo territory, the actual work that you do within uh, the confines of a career. And that includes your co-workers. Who do you work with? Who are you? Uh, who, who is your... Um, if you're the boss, let's say, who are your employees, or if you are a self-employed person, who are the people that you work with in your day-to-day, -day? and also the projects that you might be working on as related to the work that you do. Uh, Virgo, as you know, is also a sign about efficiency, and it is about organization, seeing the details, planning. Um, it is very organized energy. And, or it wants to be organized, it can be a little bit uh, perfectionistic, right? There's this desire to see things perfected. Um, there is a desire for processing of things in order to get them to their best, uh, putting their best foot forward. And that might be processing your emotions, that might be processing uh, maybe in the the day-to-day -day things you're processing of um, things that have happened or you're processing actual like paperwork to get it sent somewhere all those types of things that we do and of course uh, there's a, a need for synthesis with Virgo and they're in in being organized and the desire for uh, perfection and all of the processing, what they're doing is bringing uh, order out of chaos, right? So if you want, if you have a chaotic environment, it's the Virgos or Virgo moon, Virgo, um, you know, prominent in the chart. Those are the people that are going to be able to help you bring things into order. Now, Virgo in um, relationship to the ruler of the, being the ruler of the sixth house, um, 
also has a connection to uh, how we share of ourselves or the path of service that we each have. So in, in terms of Virgo, how are you sharing your gifts? What are your gifts and your talents? And your path of service to the world is in the sharing of yourself, your time, your love, your attention, but also sharing of your gifts and your talents, whatever those might be, and doing so in a conscientious way. That's Virgo energy as well. And of course, when we think of Virgo, we think of the ability to discern or to be discerning using critical thinking skills, uh, being able to analyze, to uh, focus our energies in some way, or focus our minds. Remember the ruler here, the ruling planet of Virgo is Mercury. So there's a connection to mind and speaking, being orderly, um, being um, uh, discerning, and to be able to use our powers of comparing and contrasting. It sounds very Ajna-like, doesn't it? <laughs> if you've ever heard me talk about the Ajna, the second center down in human design, it is the center that we think of as the mind. So all of the mind's functions uh, go through uh, the Ajna, but that the Ajna has a lot of uh, resemblance to Virgo energy as well. Now in the body, Virgo rules the bowels, the intestines, the whole processes of digestion and assimilation of nutrients into the body. And it rules the solar plexus. So our emotions and digestion linked, interestingly enough. And I believe science is actually beginning to show us how that link actually works from the more scientific and instead of the more spiritual or metaphysical, that we've always known that there was a connection between how we felt and uh, the digestion process or, or the gut, uh, mind, heart connection. And we've suspected that all along and now science is beginning to show us that. So in Virgo, the things that we are taking in uh, to our body, food, water, light, uh, energies from you know, the environment, are all being are all in a process of digestion and assimilation. And so it's hard to just pin that just on food because there are other things all the time that we are taking in, right? We're taking in the energy of one another. Uh, we're taking in thoughts and opinions. We're taking in information and ideas and inspiration as well as food and water. Uh, so all of those things that we take in run through a filter in Virgo. And really this is across that Virgo and Pisces axis. And Pisces axis sometimes brings in the toxins, right? So the toxins are having to move through a purifying energy in Virgo. So we have purification uh, of ourselves going on as well when the moon is in Virgo. Now, always have, we always have the, the, the more negative side and the more positive side of these energies. So what we're aiming for, of course, is neutral, um, but understanding that there's a full spectrum of ways in which the energies can be uh, expressed out there. And the excessive side of Virgo is excessive perfectionism, right? That nitpickiness, worry, criticism, blame, and judgment of yourself, but as, uh, of others as well, and workaholic tendencies, all work and no play. Uh, but the high side is that if you are in the process of working, then it is a time where you can get a lot done and that you can see the benefits of having a plan, being organized, being more practical in the way that you approach doing the work that you need to do or a project that you're working on. All right, so that's our moon today. Uh, and of course, the next sign after Virgo is Libra, and that is where our full moon is going to be. So let me just uh, say good morning to more people as they're checking in. Good morning, Debbie tibbetts Tumiel. Great minds. She and I are always on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's kind of funny. J-Lo, Grand Rising, and Melanie, Mimi. That's funny. Uh, good morning to you. Sometimes it says Mimi, but this morning it says your name is Melanie, which I know is your name, but we're used to calling you Mimi. Uh, so good morning to you, Mimi, and thank you. I love that background too. It makes me feel like I'm in outer space. 
JLo says, weird, I see 314-143 or 341. Ah, so that's, those are interesting numbers to, to be sure. Um, of course, the 14th is the beginning of the Ides of March. Um, I don't, I don't remember anything of specifically happening March 14th of 2019, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Corey, good morning. Christine Buckingham, good morning. Jennifer Peachy, hello to you. JLo, they finally are catching up. I'm not sure who's catching up, but uh, I missed something, I think. Kamal, good morning. Uh, hope you're having a lovely day as well. Amanda J, hello to you. And I love the sparkly hearts. And I love all the emojis. I'm an emoji person. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you know that I put emojis and my uh, my lovely, I forgot what those called, bitmojis. I love those. Uh, so I love to see them all. Augustina, good morning to you as well. Looks like we have the gang with us this morning and I'm sure there are others out there listening. So please do me a favor. If you're watching this video this morning, please hit the thumbs up button if you like the video. Uh, consider sharing it with your friends or family members who might be interested in what we're talking about here. And for sure, if you haven't yet done so, please hit the subscribe button. And I haven't looked at my subscribers lately. We're at 676. Well, I'm getting there slowly. Since I, I lost my focus, I, I changed my focus from uh, subscribers to just content. But I got to remember, of course, that that's part of this game as well. Oh, Asa, amazing. It's the day of pie, 314. Pie, hmm. I might have to consider what that means too. Hmm. So pie, somebody quickly do the numerology for me for 314, 2019. I don't wanna stretch my brain that hard this morning <laughs> because it would be funny to see what that, that might be. Um, let's take a look before we go into the full moon. Let's take a look at what some of the other more in, I wouldn't say more interesting, but some of the other interesting things are uh, that we can talk about today uh, in terms of astrology and probably one of the biggest things is yesterday where the sun and Venus came together in a conjunction. And I should say Venus came into a conjunction with uh, the sun as she's the faster moving body. So typically we put the faster moving body first because that one is usually the one that's running into uh, the conjunction, uh, coming into the conjunction, not necessarily running into the conjunction. So yesterday we had the conjunction and we had the change of the, uh, into the Aries point, moving out of the Gemini point before, and now we're into the Aries point. Then today, today we move into a Venus phase change. So Venus going through all of the different phases that she moves through has now moved into the transmutation phase. She's here in this phase for 47 days. And here is where she begins to emerge out of the glare of the sun into the evening sky. So she'll become the evening star. So remember right now, you cannot see Venus, right? She's, she's almost directly behind the sun as yesterday was their conjunction. This is called a superior conjunction, by the way, when uh, a planet is behind the sun from the perspective of earth, uh, that's called a superior conjunction. And when the planet comes between the sun and earth from our perspective here, it is called an inferior conjunction. So if we look at how that affects us in terms of what's going on on our planet, when uh, a planet is behind the sun, we are sort of more in the dark, if you will. Um, it's harder for us to pick up what Venus is working on. She's working more on the inner planes, perhaps, transmuting us from the inside out. Um, when she's in front of the sun, um, she's sort of blocking the sun. So it's easier for us to pick up the energy of Venus. And so when she's in her morning star phase, we see it more as a, uh, an, a, a societal change, perhaps something that we can see more directly or experience more directly. And when she's behind the sun, these are changes going on on the inside. So changes behind the scenes that we aren't readily seeing, but that we can connect to from our inner world, from our intuition. Um, so she begins now this process of moving out from the shadow of the sun or the glare of the sun, really not the shadow, the glare of the sun, 
And over time, over these next 47 days, she'll peek out from behind the sun and we'll first get to see her uh, toward the end of April as the evening star. Now, then that means she's beginning her move from the furthest away from Earth to the closer points to Earth. So she's moving closer into us, bringing into us new energies as she begins that process of transmutation. Now, literally, it, when I, I was going back and looking at all the different things written about Venus at this point in her cycle, and um, the main words that stuck out to me is that this part of the cycle ends isolation, and we personally are meant to open up to the forces of change and transmutation. So ending isolation, what else does that sound like, right? Moving us uh, into more of our mainstream lives again after having uh, had this year-long process of COVID kind of keeping us isolated. So it's almost like the planets mimicking, uh, maybe it's our planet and us mimicking what was already in process with uh, other planets in the sky. So we're ending that isolation. We are embracing change, moving forward as it were. Um, and during this time, that means we're also working through specific human issues like loneliness, um, isolation, meeting, leading a lot of people to feel lonely or cut off from the rest of the world, feeling different. That's a big one for some people where you feel like somebody just kind of dropped you on this planet. Oh, my hand disappeared. That was kind of fun. Look, that's weird. <laughs> um, so we, it's like someone just like dropped you here on this planet and you're looking for your people. Well, that, that feeling a different instead of feeling unique, right? That's, this is a transmutation from that feeling odd or awkward or like you don't fit into being unique, valued and in with your differences. Uh, and that's a big transmutation. And as well, we're transmuting the energy of loss where we cannot go back to the way things were. And in some cases, you know, we, we sort of mourn uh, the, the things we've lost, including if you're someone who's lost a friend or family member over the last year to the pandemic, or having lost your momentum in your life, you thought you were cruising along and then wham, something happens that changes that trajectory. So it, all of us in some way may be working through these issues of loneliness, feeling different or loss. And the opportunity is for us to transmute those things into the more positive expressions. And another way for us to look at this is that we are here to serve who we are becoming, not who we have been, have been. So serving the emerging um, things uh, about ourselves or about our world, rather than the way things have always been. So uh, transmutation, energies, forces, uh, opposites to become more fluid, to become more willing to see how um, they are just the other side of the same coin. Um, distractions, distinctions, differences, all sort of drop out while we are in this phase of Venus transmuting all of those more conflict separation oriented energies. Um, and if you'll remember Venus as a planet, she rules love. So what we're transmuting um, is used, what we're using to transmute these things is the energy of love and trying to restore things back to harmony. And uh, interestingly enough, time is uh, time and timelessness are a theme while Venus is behind the sun, right? In a lot of different sci-fi um, movies, I'm thinking of Star Trek, the fourth uh, movie of Star Trek, where they have to slingshot around the sun in order to go back in time so that they can bring a pair of humpback whales back to the earth of the future uh, because they've been killed off. And of course, now there's this alien probe and it's going to blow up the earth if uh, the whales don't answer. So we we've always had this sort of uh, recognition about time and something about going behind the sun changes our perception of time and timelessness. And, you know, last Friday we were talking about time, 
right? It was in context of daylight savings time and how our changing of time uh, messes up our, our rhythms and so forth here on the planet. But isn't it interesting that Venus, who was already moving behind the sun, she was already out of sight, uh, was also bringing up that energy of timelessness for us. So at this point now, we are in new territory with the energy of Venus as so she's now into the Aries point. She brings up this energy of change now. At the Aries point, it's society moving forward, sometimes in very bold ways, taking the risk to, to being courageous and bold enough to make the changes that we know we need to make, but we've been hesitant to make. So we've been sprinkled with all the ideas and the innovations and the, uh, the inspirations perhaps from her time with uh, Gemini. And now Aries energy wants action. So we may see the tempo pick up of things that are changing in our outer world um, and being more willing and open to moving forward, to letting go of these things from the past, letting go of the differences and so forth that we were talking about um, just a few minutes ago. So it's an interesting time we're in right now with Venus at a phase change and also a sign change uh, as she on Sunday had moved into Aries by transit but also changed her star point where she'll spend quite a bit of time at the Aries star point. All right, questions about that. Asa can get those questions to me. Um, let's take a quick look at the Pleiadian earth energies for the weekend. Starting today, we are at the energy of change. No surprise that I'm talking about that. Uh, today's energy of five takes us into the uh, energy of movement. So movement out of places where we've been stuck, uh, movement forward perhaps, uh, but you can also read that as catalyzing energy, uh, sort of the stimulus to move uh, or to make change. So that is paired with the earth energy today of evolving. Now evolving energy in the Mayan calendar was Kaban. Kaban was a representation of earthquake, sort of the earth shaking things or the things that shake us up or awaken us the things that cause us to take notice, right? To stand up and take notice and to make the changes that we need to make in order to evolve. So today's energy is about change in order to evolve, not just change for the heck of change, not just change because we're bored or because we're restless, but that, that even though there may be some restless energy in the mix, this is change that is meant to create a path for, forward for evolution. Tomorrow, Saturday, energy is then in the six, and it is the energy of self-regulation. Self-regulation was etznab in Mayan, and self-regulation or etznab was a representation of the obsidian knife that could be sharpened and used to surgically remove, if you will, the parts of us that are no longer serving. And it is self-regulation in the Pleiadian calendar because it is our job. It's an inside job. We can't look to the outer world to be the support for our own uh, growth and evolution. We have to look inward for that. So self-regulation, you and your ability to do what's necessary to greet change. Now, the energy of six is about being in the flow. It's about allowing the flow to, to lead us, take us wherever it needs to take us without the backpedaling, you know, the, the no, 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 I'm not going. Um, and to just go with that flow. And if you meet an obstacle along the way to just let it take you wherever, right? And maybe around it, over it, under it. Maybe it's a time to pause and just wait for the energy to shift again. Um, in other words, tomorrow is a day to go with the flow. Maybe the flow is um, disrupted some way uh, tomorrow. Now with the full moon on Sunday, we enter into the seven catalyzing energy. So the seven energy is the halfway point in our spiral of consciousness. And remember that spiral began at one exploring. And that was just a week ago, last Friday. So exploring energy was having us take a wider lens, see the bigger picture uh, and how we all fit into that bigger picture, exploring territory, being adventurous in some ways. Uh, 
Now we've reached that halfway point, and now it's time for us to catalyze to start the process of change, of alchemizing the new direction that we want to take based on the things that we've learned over these past seven days. So what have you learned in your explorations? What have you learned through the energies that came after that, including even up to today's evolving energy and tomorrow's self-regulation? Um, Sunday becomes the day to catalyze the change to move forward. And that happens at the full moon. So um, interesting, right? The full moon, I always think of the full moon as bringing things into culmination, sort of that giant spotlight being able to be shown on both our inner and our outer worlds. So showing us how, uh, how well we're doing as a, as a soul and as a human, how, how well are we embodying um, the, the wholeness of who we are. And indeed, wholeness is one of the themes for the full moon. So let me show a graphic here. I think I can do this. If I can't, I may have to take a moment to make some changes. Oops, share. Um, oh, I got an idea. Hold. Hmm. Where did my picture go? Just a moment. Uh, there we go. I closed out the graphic for the full moon. So now let me share my screen so you guys can see this. <sighs> Here we go. March. Here's our March full moon. I called it the crazy eights because uh, it's a lot of planets in the eighth degree. We have the full moon that is at eight degrees of Libra, eight degrees, 51 minutes. So yeah, y'all, that's really almost to the ninth degree. But I like the fact that eight still there. So eight degrees of Libra and the sun at eight degrees of Aries. And then if you go down further here, there's aspects because the sun uh, and Venus and Chiron all come together uh, at about eight Aries. And then we have Uranus at eight degrees of Taurus. And I hope you guys remember why it is I really love the number eight, right? Because it's this reflection energy. The eight reflects the I in the you, right? The I and the we. So the full moon here is on a relationship axis between Libra and Aries. Aries being I am, Libra being we are. So we have this idea that relationships are a very important part of this full moon. When we look at the number eight, the degree of each of these bodies, it is us seeing ourselves connected heart to heart, right? Heart to heart, and also spirit to a human, spirit to matter. And so that reflection is the thing that we're meant to see. We're meant to see the truth of ourselves in the reflection of our relationships. And we're meant to see the reflection of ourselves through our connection to source or God, whatever you want to cosmos. Um, so it's a great number to have this full moon at, a lot of light being shined then on our relationships and creating a healthy balance between the I and the we. So let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger so we can look at the chart for a moment. Here we go. Here's the chart of the full moon. So the full moon from an astronomical standpoint is when the moon is in opposition to the sun. So you see the, the oh, I it's 815, haha. -ha. And 819 or 815, not 51. <laughs> I made a mistake here. So it really is eight degrees. I love it. Okay, so so we have the eight degrees um, here with the sun and the moon. Wherever the moon is in the full moon is in conjunction with the earth. So the earth and the moon are in a conjunction during a full moon, and they are opposing, in this case, the sun. Chiron and Venus, who are all right about the same degree, eight degrees of Aries. Now, you can also see Uranus here in Taurus at eight degrees. He's actually the one that's eight degrees, 51 minutes, still within eight degrees. And so all of these bodies, Sun, Chiron, Venus, um, Uranus, the Earth, and um, the Moon, are all connected through these eight degrees in a relationship, right? So the relationship is an opposition between the sun uh, and 
Chiron, Venus, and Earth moon, and it is an inconjunct to the uh, planet Uranus from the moon, and it is uh, a, a semi-sextile or a 30-degree relationship between the sun, Chiron, Venus, and Uranus, and we'll talk a little more about what that means, but, you know, look at that chart and what stands out at you. What, what just jumps out uh, when you look at that is this shape, right? This kite. And a kite is made up of planets that are in healthy relationships with one another with one opposition that sort of is the, um, the tension between the two signs, between the Aries I am and the Libra we are. And so that tension is that opposition, and that's what a full moon is. It's the opposition, the having to find a balance between the emphasis that you place in your own life on yourself and the emphasis that you place in your life with your relationships. And to be healthy, you have to have the healthy self, right? You can't, it's that, you know, whole saying about the stewardess telling you if a mask drops in the flight that you've got to put your own mask on first and then help those around you. Uh, because to do it the other way would mean that you are taking away from your own vital energy and then not leaving you enough to help others, right? So the important thing to do is to have your cup full. When your cup is full, then you have the energy, the time, the wherewithal to help others to serve in some way. So this full moon is reminding us that we have to have our own cup full, but then we have to be able to also share. So there's this balance that needs to come up in order to stabilize uh, our essential self in relationships. And all of these other points, so right here we have Mars and the North Node in a conjunction close enough, two degrees away. So Mars is catalyzing our destiny, right? We have that catal catalyzing energy on Sunday in the Pleiadian Earth energy. We have a full moon in with the sun, Chiron, Venus, and, and uh, Aries that catalyzes or creates forward momentum. And we also have the anchor here with the moon and the earth in our relationships. So those things, a healthy eye and a healthy we help us to be able to catalyze movement toward our destiny. And these, this isn't your personal destiny. This is our collective destiny, if you will, where humanity is meant to evolve. So there's on that side. Now, this forms the crossbar of the kite. So in a way, this is forming the ability for the kite to fly, right? For it to soar. Without the crossbar, it would just sort of flap and wouldn't probably catch the wind in as powerful a way in order to take it to heights. So when we have on the other side, planets like Saturn, it tells us that that all of what we do next has to come from the start of a healthy foundation. So we have to have that foundational energy there first in order to um, get to where we want to go. Um, question from Christine, does that relate to a numerology life path number of eight? Well, the eight in numerology, Christine, I, I mean, I'm sure there are many definitions. I've heard it called the, the God number. I've heard it called the number of humanity. Um, it's the number of power and of abundance in uh, numerology as well. Um, but with the Pleiadian energy, we're looking at the eight as a reflection of ourselves, where we're connected at the heart, right? Where the eights cross over, where the two circles cross over, that infinity, that's our connection, right? Our stabilizing when we come heart to heart. But yeah, you could look at the numerology of it as well because the numerology gives us the background of how that number uh, works in the grander scheme of things. Um, so, okay, let me go back to this Saturn here, helping us to build a foundation for the future in Aquarius, our foundation for the future and what is that? And I have a lot of ideas about what I think that is. I'm not going to bring those up here, um, but we are definitely moving uh, into a new foundational energy from which humanity will serve one another, but also serve the earth uh, in the future. So a serving uh, evolution, if you will. Now also, um, 
what was the other thing I was going to say here? Oh, the Sun-Venus-Chiron conjunction. This is so interesting as well. Uh, remember, the sun represents our ego self, right? Our personality. That Venus represents love and self-worth, how we feel about ourselves, our values. And then Chiron is the, the, the wound, right? The wounded uh, healer. So remember that Chiron was born um, a half man and half horse. Remember, he was rejected by his mother because she was horrified that he wasn't all human. So she rejected him. So his wound um, brings up the part of ourselves that we reject or where we felt rejected in some way. That wound can take on many different faces through whatever sign it's in. And partly here, his wound in Aries is the wound of not feeling connected to uh, those around us. So the wound can be when we are expressing codependence, where we're so caught up in uh, being all things to all people that we, we lose ourselves. On the other end is uber independence, where we become sort of like an isolated island away, where we only stand up for ourselves. We, we can't see that uh, other people are just there waiting to give us something or to help us, give us a hand up, a foot up. So the Chiron wound healing here is about bringing all of this together in interdependence. So we have transmuting the wound of isolation or the wound of uber independence or codependence into interdependence. And then from interdependence, this becomes the gift, right? The healing of the wound becomes the gift that we all have to be able to bring to the world. And this brings us into a path of wholeness, which is what this was all about to begin with. The whole thing about life is a path to wholeness, bringing us uh, healing the us versus them right? Really seeing how we are all interconnected, that relationships are our mirrors. So when we want to look outside of us and blame X, Y, Z for our problems, it's really a reflection of us and where we are out of alignment. So using our relationships as mirrors during this time and duality is exposed here right? The whole concept of duality is um, exposed. Where it is that we are most vulnerable is exposed. Bright light, sun, right? Sun shining down, uh, connected with Chiron, with uh, an ability for us to see our wound, to see where it is that we're most vulnerable and where we're exposed. And, and that exposure is on where we have to heal duality, even within ourselves. So it's an interesting moon to say the least. Let's take a look at some of the other things here. The theme of the moon here, specifically through Dane Rudyard's book, The Astrological Mandala, is about the ability to see uh, the divine, see and divine the symbols that life is showing us. So being able to tell what um, numbers, numbers are symbols, right? They're symbols of something. So that is a part of that experience that we're in. The sun is at a point that he calls the appreciation of artistry within our relationships. The appreciation to see how eloquent the people around you are in helping you to see what parts of yourself need healing, but what parts of yourself are already whole. Kind of fun, right? To look at your relationships and with those new eyes. Um, so the reflection eight energy here, these crazy eights is really about the whole idea of seeing me in you and seeing God in yourself, right? So seeing you in me, me in you and seeing God within ourselves and seeing ourselves in the reflection of God. And I use that term loosely, you, whatever, you know, you, you, whatever word you use, whether it's source or God or cosmos, doesn't matter, uh, the divine versus uh, in us and us in the divine. Uh, okay, so uh, also there is a human design theme for the full moon. The moon will be at the gate 18, perfection. And it brings us into the idea that perfection is in the moment, that things are you know, if you can see the perfection, even if it doesn't look to your eyes as if things are perfect, like things could always get better, right? There's that idea. Things could always get better. But in this moment, the way it is, is perfect, right? As it's the 
as only it could be, right? So it's perfect. Because the sun at the gate 17 is in realignment energy, which we talked a lot about on Monday. Today, I'm going to go into the gate 18, and we're going to talk more about that. And then, of course, our closest aspects being Venus Chiron conjunct the sun at eight Aries, but also Uranus at eight Taurus um, uh, in the connection here might bring up some surprises. There's a theme underlying everything, perhaps, of awakening, um, of initiation, you know, Uranus, Uranus initiates change and moves us out of the places where we have become trapped or encrusted, if you will, where our ruts are. And of course, he's in a sign that is the sign of, of uh, getting stuck. I mean, Taurus energy of all of the signs can get caught up in comfort, in a comfort zone and can be... Uh, very reticent to get out of that zone, right? They get caught in the rut and they're hesitant to get out of the rut. Like after all, I'm, I'm comfortable, right? I, I'm doing fine here. So why should I make changes? Why should I do anything, right? Um, so Taurus energy tends to move when it gets uncomfortable. So that's something for us to look at. Where, where are things starting to get a little uncomfortable in your life? Where are those little discomfort points? Because they may be pointing you, awakening you, initiating you into the potential for change. And that could happen in all areas of your life. If this chart were a person, it would be happening in the career sector because that uh, planet Uranus is in the 10th house. So if you look at your own chart, you can look to where Uranus is, you can look to where the sun is, where's Aries, where's Libra in your chart, what axis is being lit up in your chart, where is the need for balance and harmony in your own chart coming from, because this full moon is shining that brighter light on that part of the chart for you. Okay, now, uh, any other questions or comments on that? Let's uh, see if I can go back here. Uh, Christine, did that answer your question? Did anybody add up 3-14-2019 for me and tell me what it was for from a numer numerological aspect? Ah, Christine did. It reduces to a two. Ah, two is relationships, right? So relationships, a concept of duality. Uh, oh my gosh, so interesting. Hmm. All right, so... Um, Let's see who else I'm seeing here. Ingrid, hello, I think is here. And um, bop, bop, bop. anybody else? Oddly, JLo says, oddly an aha moment. She's a Libra sun. Thank you so much. Always helping me with the aha moments. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Augustina says, I'm feeling so strongly all of this movement. I would love a card if possible. Uh, well, let me see if I can get through the next... Um, uh, do you want a personal card or collective card, Augustina? L let us know in the chat. I'm going to go on to the next piece so that maybe I'll have a couple of minutes time to be able to share that. Um, let me share my screen here real quickly because the next part I want to talk about is um, what's happening with the spleen in our human design. So uh, I told you that the moon and the earth were sitting at uh, eight degrees of Libra. Well, eight degrees of Libra in human design puts it in the gate 18. The gate 18 sits on the spleen. And the spleen, as you know, is a center of survival, health, intuition, and time. Interesting concepts that we've already been talking about in relationship to all of these other planetary movements. And now we have the spleen center. Now the spleen center also has another weirdness about it. It's that that survival energy that we've, you know, we've obviously done well with, we've survived as a species on the planet. Um, those, those gates have morphed into false evidence appearing real. So fear as an acronym. And each of these gates then can trigger fear within us. Now, if you already have that gate defined in your chart, it just maybe puts a little more emphasis and light on it. But for those of you who do not have the gate 18 by um, birth, now it's in transit with the full moon sitting there, right? So it's putting a, a lot of spotlight on the energies of the gate 18, which is the fear of authority, not of outer authority necessarily, but the fear of your own authority. Like I'm not perfect yet. 
right? Things aren't perfect yet. Um, now in quantum human design, the new the system that I'm learning from Karen Curry Parker, is, this is the gate of realignment. So I like that word better. I may have to change this graphic up, Asa. Maybe you can help me with that um, to change maybe some of these words. But it, I think the fear of authority still fits here. If we look at this in the gene keys, we're looking at the shadow of judgment. We're looking at the gift of integrity, being true to oneself, being in one's own skin. And then also in the city, we're looking at perfection. So what we see is that there's perfection in the highest of the energies here. Now, let's look at what does perfection mean, right, in, in this context. It's about, in human design, waiting for the right timing to correct and align someone or yourself even. And that correction serves joy, right? You can't see it here, but the other gate at the opposite end of 18 is the gate 58, which is the gate of joy. And it's on the root center. Joy is a foundational energy for humans. It isn't a, 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 an emotion. Joy does not sit in the solar plexus. It doesn't have anything to do with emotional energy. It's a foundation energy, which means that grounded within us all is this idea of joy, of being in joy. And to get to the perfection part of this is about waiting for the right timing to correct and align. Note this is very far away from the throat in your human design. So correction or sharing of um, your critique, if you will, comes with an invitation to do so, with an invitation to share. You don't just walk up to someone and say, you know, I don't like the way you said that, so I want you to reword that right? That's not your job. Unless that person asked you for that, you're meant to stay in the quiet, just in um, knowing that if it's the right timing, that you would be invited in to share of your criticism or your, crit your critique, let's call it. In the integrity, so in the, in the gift level, um, we understand that the purpose of realignment is to create more joy, not to be right, right? This isn't about being right. This isn't about that at all. It's about how uh, a pathway to the expression of more and more joy, more and more uh, joy is uh, what's being perfected here. It's not about whether you're right and I'm wrong, or I'm wrong and you're right kind of energies. In the lowest expression, judgment this is where we're being critical without respect for the impact it might be having. And this works both ways, whether it is you being critical of someone else or of your own self, right? So it works with both the I and the we. So being critical without the respect for its impact, but also being more concerned about your rightness uh, rather than determining whether what you have to say as, in a, as a critic or as a critique has any real, uh, adds anything to the joy or is it detracting from the joy, right? Sometimes um, it is incumbent upon us to keep our words to ourselves because it's really not going to add to the joy for you to point that out to somebody, right? So being quiet unless invited to share your critique. And this is also uh, the center for instinct and intuition. So this is instinctive reconnection and realignment with joy, right? And love. I threw that in there too, with joy and love, uh, because I think joy is one of those energies of love. So the interesting thing is that from this week forward for the next one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, taking us into, I believe it is the first week in May, the earth will transit around every one of these gates. So this is sort of the opposite point of the year from last year's Sept late September, all of October, first week in November, where the sun was moving through each of these gates, really showing us the light of the fear. Now it's the earth. Now the earth is a completely different, uh, she has a different mode of operation here. Her mode of operation is to bring it up so that you have to take care of this before you can get to the light of the sun. So if we looked at where the moon and the earth are sitting at the gate 15 or 18, sorry, uh, we really need to take care of our need to perfect or to 
be right so that we can actually enter into the sun's light, which is at the gate 17, which was about anticipation of how it is that we can all work together to create more joy on the planet. Mm, no small order that one, right? So questions about that, let me know or let Asa know and she will get that information to me. Augustina, I'm going back now because I wanna see how, where's that screen? There we go. Augustina, maybe both. Haha, -ha, thank you. <laughs> really my choice. Uh, okay. Uh, JLo, my Pluto is there. Sheesh, it sounds just like me. Well, but instead of beating yourself up or looking at this as a negative, what's positive about that? What's positive about the way that you show up in the world, about how you share your, um, your criticism or how you, um, and, you know, we don't have really good words about that. How about sharing your insight in how to create more joy, right? That's a positive thing. All right. So let's take a look at the card piles I have here under books that I just need to read still. <laughs> I think today I'm going to bring up the seven energies. And who else? Let's do dragons today. So the seven energies, uh, wrong screen. I need to go back to Zoom. There we go. Oh, you might not be able to see them unless I, Asa and I had this problem yesterday as I was trying to show her something. So the oracle of the seven energies, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change. Hold on. I think I can do this on the fly. Let's see here. Choose virtual background, none. There we go. Oh, interesting. Okay, so none. Here I am in my room. You thought I was out amongst the planets, but I was in my room all this time. Okay, so Augustina, this card is going to be for you, but you can also consider it for all of the collective. And this might be our card that we think of for the full moon and what it brings to us, okay? Uh, what it is that maybe we need to balance within ourselves. And the card is Willing Release. Hmm, how apropos, is that a 49, which is a 13, which is a four. So Willing Release. Get this beautiful milkweed with uh, dandelions, butterflies. Okay, let's see what this means. And it was upside down when I pulled it, so it was like this. And I'm not sure if in this deck that comes into play. I don't think it does. And it's card 49, so let's go back here. Willing release. Now, remember in this deck, everything is arranged in seven energies. So the energies that themes thematically that we're dealing with here is the energy seven, which is thought. So this is a mind thing, a thought process. All right, and here are the key concepts. Yielding to a divine plan, releasing attachment to form, especially if something isn't what you expected or wanted, leaving room for serendipity. Some days you have to let go of your struggle to find an answer and focus on other things for a while. This doesn't mean giving up altogether or losing anything. Remember that in our co-creative partnership with the divine, give and take is necessary. You do your part by setting your intentions and taking any necessary actions, but you must then surrender the form, the timing, and the how to your higher power. There is a divine plan for each of us. When acting on this faith, you may find that your intense desire for something translates into a feeling of, attach of attachment and entitlement. Right now, can you immerse yourself in this experience and allow the divine plan to unfold as it will on your behalf without interference? Can you be open to receiving what is yours, even if it is not packaged in the form you thought you wanted? Perhaps if you look deeper, you will see that you've received the perfect vibrational match to your most authentic wants and needs. You have put in the work, defined your desires and felt them deeply and engaged your higher power. Now you must let go and see what transpires. This isn't always easy. Impatience erodes the foundations of your trust in the divine. Surrendering truly will serve your highest good. Knowing this truth in your heart can that really be so difficult? Love it. Willing release. Perfect for this full moon 
which is a time of culmination. It's release, it's um, revelation. So perfect. Uh, now let's pull a dragon to help us through this moon. And I heard my phone buzz. Is that you, Asa? Let's see here. Ah, question from JLo. Oh, question from Corey first. Uh, when you say look at our charts, does that mean look at our birth charts or a current transit chart? Um, either or, Corey, really. If you look at your birth chart, um, you're still going to see where Aries is. You're still going to see where uh, the planet uh, where the Sun Venus um, Chiron conjunction is, uh, but you're not going to see them in terms of the transiting planets. You're not going to see the symbols. You're just going to see where the energy is. If you use your transit chart, you're actually going to be able to see the symbols of all those planets that are in transit. So either way works. All right. Um, and the other question was from JLo. Uh, her daughter has her north node there in Capricorn, and she has Pluto in gate 18. Could she be triggered to helping her or vice versa? Well, so what you're saying is she has Pluto at the gate 18, and uh, her Pluto and north node must be in a conjunction, right? So she already has a transformational path in this lifetime, and your daughter is less than 40. So my guess is she's still living out of the south node here. And the south node here is likely in the gate 17. So she's learning about how, when to share her, her ideas or her uh, opinions in ways that are uh, powerful and helpful and not harming. Or uh, she's learning about when, you know, <laughs> she's really learning this idea already from birth. So this isn't anything new, but this may, you know, make some kind of aha for her where she sees something in a new light. So definitely. Um, and if it's her south node there, then it's even more important for her to understand that this is an old energy. She has an old power structure in her previous lifetimes that she's transmuting in this lifetime. So what I mean by that is um, we see, if I see Pluto in the South Node or Mars in the South Node close together ever, I often think of lifetimes that are maybe militaristic in some way uh, where there was a lot of discipline uh, needed uh, to, to do whatever the work was that the person was doing. So they bring that forward into this lifetime, this idea of things have to be a certain way or being disciplined about certain things or you know, creating conflict around certain things. So in this lifetime, she's transmuting that, but she's well off from her forties <laughs> where that transition will take place. So likely she's still trying to do things in an old way, trying to maybe apply discipline to things or lack of discipline to things uh, and it's not working for her. So she needs to be able to look at that in her life through the different events that happen so that she can move forward toward the North Node. And of course she's what, 17, 16, 18, something like that. So she's got a ways to go. She's still learning. I hope that answers your question. All right, so let's pull a dragon. Our dragons are sort of our symbols of power and um, catalyzing energy to move us forward. And today we get a deep blue dragon, keeps you safe by clearing your pathway. Trust that you are protected and walk on a path of light. Here we go. That's a beautiful deep blue dragon. I don't think we've had this one before. So let's see what the book says about this card, deep blue dragon. And um, this is a fifth dimensional dragon, page 60. All right, here we go. Deep blue dragons work with Archangel Michael, the angel of strength and protection. Dragons can delve into deep, dense matter in a way that angels cannot. They can clear and transmute lower frequencies up to one kilometer around those they work with. These frequencies may be our emotions and thoughts or the emotions and thoughts of people in our vicinity. Many of us are sensitive and do not realize how much the vibrations of others impact on us. Every time we walk in a crowd, we are in a sea of mixed energies. And these deep blue dragons are master clearance experts. They blow away the foggy vibrations and then Archangel Michael can more easily connect with us and place his deep blue cloak around us. Here's our guidance. 
This card is suggesting that you call on the deep blue dragons to protect you or your loved ones. Visualize a protecting army of deep blue dragons gliding in front of you whenever you walk or drive. Let them precede you into your home or office. Ask them to dive into the ground below your house to consume all lower energies. Ask them to keep an area of a kilometer around you totally clear. Relax and trust that this is happening. Because the deep blue dragons are transmuting the lower emotions of those in your vicinity, you are no longer moving through the dense energies of other people. Notice how much lighter and happier you feel. You can serve the planet by asking deep blue dragons to dive under your shopping malls, schools, big buildings, or anywhere you feel they are needed to consume dense vibrations. Very much appreciated. Deep blue dragons or dragon. There we go. All right, uh, one last check to see if there are other questions I missed. Um, North node is gate 58. Ah, so letting go of this perfection in order to move into more joy, right? Letting go of perfection, seeing everything is perfect in the moment to restoring more joy. So joy is what she's after in this lifetime, expressing joy. I think that's a worthy um, North node. All right, everybody. Uh, that is it for me today. I will see you on Monday. Take care. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, enjoy the full moon. Try to stay in your own space, understanding that your relationships are mirrors for you. Send out love, send out light. See you on Monday. Bye for now.